last week we started a series of messages for this month, taking ministry to the next level, and I think that song fits in very well. Wherever love leads, uh, that, that's where God's calling us to go. Wherever his love would lead us, uh, those aren't always comfortable places, and a lot of times it means sacrifice, but that's where God is calling us. Today we take a little step off that path and a series of messages as we consider where God is leading us as a church as far as our leadership. We back in 2005 began to figure out the, all the mechanics, putting together constitution, bylaws, those kinds of things. And what we wanted to do was start with a clean slate. We didn't want to go and find out what some other church had done and just take theirs and change the name and make that our, our stuff. Instead, what we wanted to do was to go to the New Testament and see what God's Word said about how to set a church up and and do our best to to follow that as best we're able. And we came out of that looking a little different than perhaps some of the churches that I've been connected to in the past or perhaps you've been connected to. And and, uh, we saw a plurality of elders leading those local churches. And so we began to establish that kind of basis. And we called uh, initially two other men other than myself and we started with three elders and God has blessed us with some very capable loving caring strong Christian men who've served in that role we've seen some step off as the years have gone by and others who've stepped on and today uh, you're going to hear in a few minutes from Bill Lewis Bill came to us and it was immediately apparent that he was a man who walked with God who knew him, had a deep relationship with him, a strong faith, uh, but also had a good head on his shoulders. That helps. God has blessed people with gifts of leadership and abilities, and, and it, is, it is imperative that we as a church be able to discern that. And so as we began our process, we, we looked at the names that you submitted as you prayerfully considered those who might serve as elder, and we began to contact those men, and today we're we're pleased to present before you uh, Bill Lewis, who the elders are presenting to affirm as an elder. But before we do that, I think it's we need to remind ourselves of exactly the exactly what we're doing here, what it is that God has said about these men who serve as elders. Uh, the other words that you may see are overseers or bishops; those words that that mean an elder. And so this morning, I want to share with you a couple of scriptures and. I want to ask you to join your hearts with me in prayer for both Bill and for me as we prepare to have this time. So if you would, join your hearts with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray that your word will speak boldly and clearly, but also that you would speak to us through Bill to give us as a church discernment and wisdom as we move forward to know that, uh, God, you have raised up those who would serve in this leadership role. And, Lord, that we might support them and honor them, but also that we might pray for them And ask you, Lord, to provide the wisdom and the courage necessary to lead in these perilous times. Father, speak to us through your word. Speak to us through the testimony, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Two portions of scripture immediately come to the forefront. The first is in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. The words are on your screen, but I'd like to read these to you. And and you listen as we try to discern who it is that God is raising up for us. Here's a trustworthy saying, if anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. 
Now the overseer must be above reproach, the husband of but one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders, so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. And then if you'll flip over with me to Titus. Just two books over. Chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished. This is Paul writing to Titus. And appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, the husband of but one wife. A man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather... He must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. This morning, I'd like to just take a few minutes and go through those characteristics, and I mean very, very briefly. I will let you know that back in 2005, we did a series of messages on the on. The, the role of the elder, the character of the elder, and those will be posted this week on the, our church website so that you can go back and listen to those in detail. If you would like copies of those, you can request it through the church office. We'll be happy to make CD copies of it available to you. We'll certainly go into much more detail than I intend to do this morning. But I'd like us to look at those characteristics, those qualities of those that, that Paul said ought to be considered as an elder. And so if you would, just walk with me through these. The first is, is aspiration. The first is aspiration. Aspiration is basically this, that this person is moved to accept this role of leadership. It's not a matter of pride. It's not a matter of, of trying to, to get ahead. It is basically someone who is there willingly, who's not coerced into doing this. We will never twist anyone's arm to serve as an elder. That's not the kind of person we want there or those that you have to force into that role. Secondly, that is he, he is above reproach or blameless. This person has integrity. There's no grounds for accusation of improper behavior that can be placed against him. It doesn't mean he's per- perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But instead, that this person has integrity and respect. That he is the husband of but one wife. Literally, the term is a one-woman man. That is, he is faithful to his wife. It doesn't mean that he has to be married. Uh, they're not saying, you know, husband of but wife meaning that. But it, it is, he is faithful to his wife. He has a track record of faithfulness to his wife. Temperate. This word temperate means sober. Not being controlled by desires. Having, having a sound mind. Self-controlled. This word self-controlled means sensible, wise, 
and sound in judgment. Respectable. Demonstrating good behavior. Lives an orderly life. Now, if you go back and take a look at my desk during the week, you may say, well, I'm not sure our pastor lives an orderly life. But there is some order to that. Hospitable. That means this person is generous. Willing to share the blessings that he has received with others. It doesn't mean that they're necessarily inviting people over to their home every single night of the week, but that they are open to, to being hospitable towards others, that they, are, they share the blessings. They don't hold them all just for themselves. Able to teach. That is, this person needs to understand God's truth, to be able to communicate and to defend sound doctrine. This is one of the major things that the elders have to do. They have to prevent this, this error from creeping into a church and, and leading it away from God's truth so that we become tossed about in the wind. Not given to drunkenness. I guess this should be a given. But this person should not be controlled by alcohol or any other kind of intoxicating substance. Not violent. That is literally not a brawler. We really don't need any fist fights in our elder council or out in our gathering space on Sunday morning. But this is basically a person who, who isn't always looking for trouble, is not eager for a fight. Gentle, not quick tempered. This person's not given to quarreling. They're not always insisting on their own way not quarrelsome obviously this again is pretty much self-explanatory that is that they this person is 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 not a uh these two terms really are are kindred uh but they're not known just to be argumentative not a lover of money not pursuing dishonest gain that is, they don't have personal gain as the highest motivation. They're not looking to, to get money by any and all means. Leader of a well-ordered house. We may have to have Linda speak on this one, I don't know. But they have the respect of family. They're recognized as a spiritual leader of the home. And let, let, me, uh, let me just take a side step here and mention this. Gentlemen... This should be the role of every Christian husband, father. This is not just something that's for special people. Not just something that's for leaders in the church. For way too long, Christian men have taken the back seat in the spiritual leadership of their home. You say, but wait a minute, my wife knows more of the Bible than I do. Guess what? It's written in English. Pick it up and read it. My wife prays more than I do. Guess what? God is waiting to hear from you. It is not that men are better than women or that men are to subjugate women to themselves. It is that in God's plan, he has set up the husband as a spiritual leader of the home. 
and in survey and study after one after another, they have shown that the role of the husband and father in the home is key to the development of the children. Now, I know many of you are single mothers. You have a tough, tough job. We want to come around and support you as best as we can and encourage you as much as we can because you've got a difficult, difficult job. And the church owes it to single mothers to provide godly men to give their children encouragement. If we're not doing that, then we're falling down on our job. Okay, let me step back into it now. Not a new convert. That is, this person's not a new believer, but instead they display evidence of spiritual maturity in their lives. Good reputation with outsiders. That is, they're known in the community for having character and integrity. Not overbearing. This person's not stubborn. Doesn't force his own ideas and opinions on others. Loves what is good. Desires to see the will of God done. Upright. Virtuous. Honors the word of God with his life. Holy. Devout. Lives in such a way as to honor God with his life. Although no man will ever live out these characteristics perfectly, elders should have a lifestyle that is very much in line with these qualifications. We're not looking for perfect men. We're looking for men who have a heart after God's own heart. In that light, and with those in mind, I want to ask Bill Lewis if he would come up and share with us his testimony, that which God has laid on his heart today. And I'm going to ask that you pray for him and pray for us as we discern God's will in the leadership of our church. Bill. Good morning, and uh, thank you for the uh, opportunity to share my testimony and to be considered for the service position of elder. Uh, I have some prepared notes, and hopefully I can follow them because I have a tendency to get into too much detail. And if I do, uh, it may run a good bit more than what Jimmy has allowed me in time. But here we go. God has always been in my life, uh, as long as I can remember. While growing up on a small uh, farm in South Carolina, our family attended a country church. In the first grade, my teacher gave me as well as the other class members, a small red New Testament. And she had us uh, memorize John 3.16, among some other scriptures. And uh, these were happy times, as I remember them, growing up on the farm and having fun with my brothers and sister. But then uh, life changed drastically for us. Uh, My mother and and, uh, father divorced, and uh, I immediately had to go to work cutting grass and gradually graduated to many different odd jobs. And I didn't stop working until about three years ago when I retired from my second full-time position. My two younger brothers, my sister and I, we grew up in 
uh, a poor environment. But my mother uh, instilled uh, strong values, and she had very high expectations for her kids. And if you don't believe that, you can ask her today. She's 91, and even though she's drifted in terms of cognitive ability, she'll still tell you about her kids and how proud she is of them. Uh, She and the Lord are the main reasons that all four of us have been successful in our vocations and our life. There were times we would have gone hungry if it had not been for my God-fearing Aunt Edna. At the age of 14, by God's grace and his uh, power, he used a motorcycle accident to change my life. Um, I still recall lying in the ambulance, uh, feeling my right leg moving, but seeing no motion. My right femur had a compound fracture. Uh, I had other injuries as well, but that was the most major one. This is when I was truly saved. Uh, At the age of 12, I had actually walked the aisle and been baptized, but uh, I had that life-changing experience with Christ laying in that uh, ambulance that evening. Looking back, God changed the course of my life then, and I know for the better. At this time, my brothers and my sister and I were the only source of income since my mother had been ill for about a year and had had a major surgery. I was bedridden as a result of the accident for three months and then um, in rehabilitation for another three months. We lost one source of our income uh, as a family, which uh, seemed to be devastating. But uh, God blessed us with mom's health improving almost overnight and she found a a good job. Then comes uh, the uh, adult life in the world. After graduating from high school, I was awarded a state academic disability scholarship due to my injuries, uh, and I began attending the University of South Carolina. But not too long after attending, I had to drop out to provide for my mom again, who had once again become ill and had some more serious medical problems. Over the course of our uh, adolescence and young adulthood, she, uh, she suffered like five or six major surgeries. But then... God blessed me with a wonderful wife, a great job, and later we were blessed with two children. Uh, Linda, he placed in in front of me one day in my early 20s, and I knew at the moment that I saw her that she was the one for me, and six months later we were married. And that'll be 45 years next Saturday. Thank you. Four months after we were married, uh, I went to work for a small regional airline. Uh, 
looking back, this was God's plan for us. Delta Airlines. When I started loading bags um, and thought I had a great job compared to what I'd had up to that point, but I didn't know what he had in store for us. And uh, I progressed through the ranks and eventually retired after 34 years as a general manager of global contract services for Delta. Uh, It seemed during... uh, our early years of marriage that uh, family, work, and my beer, and freedom left no time for church. Linda was a Christian when we married, and we discussed going to church many times, but never got around to it. Even though God was the source of our strength through our difficult times, Knowing all the time the Holy Spirit was in us, we we always prayed and seeked his help, but there was no obedience in, in our life at that time. Then God gets my attention. Uh, our kids were going to a youth group at Chapel by the Sea at Tybee Beach. The bus driver who picked them up invited Linda and me to church, and I said, no, we're not going to church. Even though our kids were asking us to go uh, all the time with them. During this time, life had become more of a chore. There was no joy in it. In part due to the pressure at work, family challenges, and money problems. One night, Not long after another invitation to come to church, uh, a life-changing event happened. Not only for me, but uh, thank goodness benefited uh, the entire family. To this day, I don't know how to explain it other than the Holy Spirit spoke to me in an extremely vivid dream. It seemed as real as my standing here with you today. In my sleep, I saw something or someone come into focus standing at the foot of my bed. It looked like a cloud and an image of a man. He didn't speak. He didn't move. But I got the message loud and clear to get my life in order or else. Uh, It was a strange experience, as I remember, feeling at peace, but scared to death. So, shortly after the visit, I announced to the family that we were going to start going to church and Sunday school at Chapel by the Sea, the Baptist church at Tybee Beach, where the kids had been going. the, the folks there were great. They were God-fearing Christians who opened their arms and welcomed us in, and we felt right at home from the day we walked in, very much the way we did when we first came here. The, the pressure that I felt then as the head of the household receded, and life became a true joy. It, it was almost overnight that this happened. I also stopped drinking uh, my beer, which I loved the taste of, until our children were adults. 
a youth group, a man inviting us to church, my unexplained visit, and a persistent wife. Uh, Looking back, these were God's way of encouraging me to come home to him. It had to be my decision. He was giving me encouragement, but he leaves the decisions up to us. Two years later, God blessed us again by selling our house at Tybee for a considerable profit, and Linda got a great job. We went to Wilmington Island Baptist Church for the next eight years. I served in a number of leadership positions at the church over that eight years. And then uh, I was asked to accept a promotion to come to Atlanta, but I'd have to the corporate offices of Delta. And after prayer and and much discussion, uh, we decided to to accept the promotion. And it it was a blessing in ways because uh, eventually uh, the department I became the manager of, I was able to witness to a lot of uh, young people. Most of the folks that worked for me were the age of my children and uh, I could relate to them and had a, uh, a connection that they listened to me. We had started attending Rolling Hills Baptist Church and served in positions of responsibility there, both London and me. After a number of years at Rolling Hills, uh, even though I loved the Lord and knowing what his word teaches, I made a conscious decision to stop going to church and maintain an independent relationship with the Lord. Why? Uh, I won't go into the particulars that led to the decision, but will say I became disheartened with church, uh, pastors who gave in to temptations, and church leadership. Uh, I did not get mad or make this decision due to any one reason. Uh, It uh, was something that started... Uh, way back. God continued to bless me even though I was not obedient again. But not before reminding me he was in charge. Uh, After retiring from Delta, I went to work for uh, managing a small uh, company that provided services for the airlines. And in less than a year, I tried to break my contract due to disagreements with the owners on how to manage the company. They refused, uh, and I was miserable, literally miserable. Six months later, my prayers were answered. They walked in one day and said, we've decided to to let you out of your contract, just out of the, the blue. I was 56 and needed to work, another eight to ten years. I was not the least worried or even though I was unemployed and had no idea what I was going to do and how to secure our future into retirement. Three months later, God provided me with a job with the stipulation that I had to work out of the New York office on Long Island. It turned out to be a great job and financially rewarding, again an answer to prayers. 
However, I did not pray that I had to work out in New York. Uh, I remained out of church, but never abandoned God. Uh, again, I was able to witness to the employees in our New York office. Uh, and really, uh, it was a, a joy working there, a lot of great people. I commuted on weekends to Fayetteville, Georgia, where we had our home. In October of '04, we bought a small cottage here at the lake, and we spent so much time here that three years later, we decided to sell in Fayetteville and move here full time. God was not through with me, and the, the truth is he's never through with any of us. He's always working with us one way or another, and that also depends on how obedient you are. Linda kept telling me that we needed to find a church. My son and my brother, who are faithful Christians, continued to encourage me to find a church. Even my grandkids were asking me why I didn't go to church. That's a hard question to answer to your your young grandchildren. Finally, I allowed the Holy Spirit to convict me that people are human and that there is no reason for me being, not being in church because we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. He reminded me of a verse I used to use when I spoke as a Gideon. It's Isaiah 55, 11. My word shall not return unto me void. So that was the beginning of my comeback to the Lord. I had been struggling over the years with pastors in my past who had fallen out of fellowship. When in reality, I was guilty of the same sin. I had fallen out of fellowship and using their sins as my excuse. We started visiting churches around the lake. Grace Fellowship was ruled out for a visit because it was too far from where we lived. But God didn't think so. So we started coming here on a regular basis, but I told Linda first that we'll go, but I'm not going to get involved and I'm not going to join. Uh, That was before God started changing me. And I met Jane and Hal Cobb. They invited us on a regular basis to their grace group. We went, and I was so encouraged at the Bible knowledge and the Christian dedication of that group, many of whom are sitting here today. We attended Grace Fellowship for about a year before joining in February 2009. And we also started attending John Demarest Sunday school class Uh, in part due to Jerry Johnson, who no longer goes here, asking us several times to come join their Sunday school class. And because Mike and Debbie Sullivan asked us to a social at uh, John and Melody's home. And again, that Sunday school class, we met uh, great God-fearing people that just welcomed us. 
Then things change again. April 09, I had a heart attack. Uh, it was a surprise to me and my doctor that uh, required open heart surgery. Any doubt that I may have had about my salvation was eliminated because I had absolutely no problem going into surgery, no apprehensions, no fear, because I knew where I was going if I didn't survive the surgery. But I did, uh, as you can see, and I came through it with flying colors. Um, in addition, uh, about the same time I had the heart surgery, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer. Uh, and three months after the heart surgery, I had surgery for prostate cancer and went through five weeks of uh, radiation. And uh, God has blessed me in both the heart and the, the cancer. My heart's fine and I'm cancer free. After the surgeries, I started praying in earnest that God would help me to walk closer to him and help me lead a life that would be pleasing to him. He is answering my prayers. I have a peace and comfort that uh, only he can give. I also quit my beer again. That was July 7th last year. In my daily uh, reading of my Bible, his word spoke to me from 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. I conclude with saying, over my adult years I've sinned and I have regrets. However, I know that God has forgiven me and that the Holy Spirit has been with me since that night in that ambulance. Also as a Christian, we should never underestimate the value of witnessing and encouraging believers to be obedient. Because these are the ways God brings those who have fallen out of fellowship back to him. Not to mention leading the lost to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. If it had not been for a strong-willed mother, a first-grade teacher, an aunt taking me to church, a persistent wife, a youth group, a youth group bus driver a son, brother, and grandchildren, and godly people like Hal and Jane, Jerry, Debbie, and Mike, I shudder to think where I'd be today. Thank you, and may God bless you all as he has Linda and me.